There's a lot of people trying to figure out what's going on in our culture right now. You have different ones trying to frame the conversation. And uh, I want to pull out a couple quotes that I found insightful this week. Uh, one's by Ben Sass, who's senator in Nebraska, uh, wrote a book, Vanishing American Adult, uh, a book on child raising and such. And one of the points that he made says that material abundance can make us freer and less dependent, but simultaneously more lonely and isolated. It's very difficult for a rich republic to remain virtuous. And I find that very, very true when there's a lot of conversation right now about depression and about loneliness, and yet... At the same time, we're living in a wealthier day than most have ever even dreamed possible. And, and so you kind of question, well, how does that work? You know, why, why do those things happen? And um, one of the things that, you know, I, I look at things like, um, very popular are cooking shows, right? You know, even though we, we get to spend less time than ever on, on cooking, but then we watch cooking shows. But connected to that is the fact that when it's all said and done, you haven't smelled a thing, you haven't tasted a thing, you don't get to see it in 3D. And, and it's kind of like there's a, you know, why not just look at the box? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't fully satisfy, right? If, if you can't taste it. But at the same way, you know, when, when we look around and, and we're struggling with, well, when, when you walk down the street and you see everybody texting, right? I mean, you can count, but it's, there's an immense amount of, of it going on. And yet, even in the text, it doesn't have the same effect as a true conversation. For one, it's abbreviated. You're not seeing the body languages or nuances involved. You're not hearing the expression of speech. Um, you're not seeing that person. You're not, there's no touch for sure. And so in some ways, as far as true connect, it's valuable, but it doesn't, it's like that cardboard box, so to speak. It doesn't really go into the depth of relationship that is available when you're one-on-one -on -one with a person. And so even though we've got these great gadgets, they don't necessarily enrich our lives in ways that, that we would think. Now, we're able to keep communication with a lot more people, but it's at a much more surface level than what a, a few significant conversations can do. And so you know, we look at that, and, and you're trying to figure, well, what do we do? You know, what's the option? Good question, not sure. I know you're looking at me like, yeah, how often do you text? Now and then. <laughs> Only when I have to. Um, I'm not the person to speak on that, that's for sure. I want to read another quote for you. This is, uh, this is uh, by Peter Thiel, who developed PayPal and Palatin. Palatin is like the 
big picture computing is what he, he works on, and he's concerned about big picture issues. His understanding of history and development is probably different than mine, but he makes an interesting point. He said, in regard to entertainment, instead of violent wars, now there's violent video games. Instead of heroic feats, there could be thrilling amusement park rides. Instead of serious thought, there could be intrigue of all sorts. But his last sentence is what catches me. It is a world where people spend their lives amusing themselves to death. And that speaks a lot about our culture. The question is, you know, even if we ask ourselves, how many hours a day am I connected to things that don't really matter? How many hours a day am I attached to things that truly have no purpose or direction or value? And, you know, what... It, <laughs> I have this... I have this worry when I stand before God and, if, and explain my life at the judgment, and I have to start going into how many hours of entertainment I've been attached to, it's significant. And I try to, I try to moderate that. But it's like, you know, I'm in a season of life where I get to read more than most of you, not have to read, but I, you know, it's actually become enjoyable again. And, but I still have to walk through as, is this the appropriate time for this? And is this really something worth the reading? You know, and, and that's just one area. I mean, there's multitudes of areas, right? I mean, that's partly why we're so attached to our phones, because it, it allows us to explore everything. But the question is, is it worth the time exploring? And so when you, when you walk through that, I guess where, where I'm trying to go with this is I think a book like Proverbs becomes that much more valuable because it, it allows us to hone in and say, for a few moments at least, what's important? How do, how do I deal with this? What am I, what's my response supposed to be in this situation? And so, like, again, I'm not going to play the Bible Project video again today. I would ask you to go watch it, not now, uh, or at least keep the sound down. Um, but the first nine chapters of Proverbs are kind of this call to listen and a call to, to, to consider the Proverbs, so to speak. And so you have the parent to the child uh, saying, listen, and then you have uh, Lady Wisdom calling out, saying, listen, I have something for you. And, and so you, you walk through these chapters, and, it, and it's all kind of building the case for what follows in the, in the Proverbs that are individually listed. So I want to walk through a few of those verses together starting this time in the second chapter. My child, if you receive my words and store my commands inside you by making your ear attentive to wisdom, by turning your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for discernment, shout loudly for understanding. If you seek it like silver or search for it like hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and you will discover the knowledge of God. 
So he's saying it is available. There's an understanding of life that can come to you if you'll call out for it. Now, you're going to have to seek it like you would a treasure. How many have been looking for copper up here? Copper. <laughs> the geologist. That was a bad illustration, wasn't it? <laughs> How many as a kid went looking for hidden treasure? You just knew it was on your property. You knew that some pirate had buried it, even though... Here in the UP... Uh, it's hard digging holes in the UP because there's stone everywhere, right? But you, 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 know, you go for it. Well, he's saying if, if you're willing to, to take the, the search for the Lord in a similar fashion, he says you will be rewarded for that search. Matthew, Jesus says basically the same thing. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who seeks, everyone who <laughs> asks, receives, seeks, finds, and knocks, the door will be opened. So he's making this declaration. If you're willing to seek for him, he will be found. He extends this a little bit further and he says, which of you parents, if your child asks for bread, is, is going to give him a stone? Or which of you, if your child asks for a fish, is going to be given a, a snake? He says, if you who have evil in you, or if you being evil, seek good gifts for your kids, how much more God, who is good, all the way through? And so there's this, this declaration of saying, it's available to us if we're willing to seek for it. Back to Proverbs. For the Lord gives wisdom, and again, we, we noted last week that wisdom is not just facts, but it, it's a applicable knowledge. So, you know, we get bombarded with lots of information, but we have to also ask ourselves, is this leading somewhere, or is it just another fact to file away? Or is it just cluttering my mind, you know, because I, I have nothing to do with it, or no place to put it, it's just another thing to remember. It's for you guys that love Trivial Pursuit. Disgusting game that it is. <laughs> Not that I'd get off on a tangent and rant, but it's, it's those things of, he's saying this is, true wisdom is, is applicable to life. That's the kind of wisdom you want. The wisdom that, that actually has an impact on you. He says, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up effective counsel. So in other words, he can advise your life. And for the upright, he's like a shield for those who live with integrity to guard the paths of the righteous and to protect the ways of his pious ones. So he says, if you commit yourself to this path, of living upright before him, he says there is a certain security of life attached to that. In other words, there's a confidence that rises up in the heart that says, God's looking after me and gives oversight of my life and will protect me wherever I'm headed because I'm one of his. Now, if you aren't walking with the Lord, you don't have that same promise. You don't have the same promise of that security but there's a right for peace in your heart 
a right to embrace a certain confidence that says, even though I don't understand all of this, I still know the one who does. And he's looking over me, and he guards and protects and, and gives me a security that's unavailable anywhere else. Ephesians, I got, I got noted last week that I didn't use enough New Testament connecting. You're getting it today. <laughs> it was a good point. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, glorious Father, will give you spiritual wisdom and revelation in your growing knowledge of him. When we come to Christ and we acknowledge that we have lived in paths that are destructive, and we come back, there's a, a moment of going, what am I going to do? You know, I've already been down that path a long ways. And there are portions of life that have fallen apart. And that's when we come and we seek forgiveness and a setting back on, on path. And that's through Jesus Christ, who washes away our sins, who heals us of, of our maladies. You know, and, and so Paul says, okay, you've come to him but I'm praying that his wisdom spill into your life. In other words, when I come to Christ and I say, okay, I want to I get on the right path. I want to make decisions that are appropriate in you, but now I'm going to I'm have to have your wisdom to do this because I really don't know how to get it done any other way. And that's kind of where this Proverbs thing pulls into play because the truth of God is spoken through these passages and you begin to find application for life. And it's all part of what God is doing. In 1 Corinthians 1, I, I would take this a little bit further. He says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. So he says, you know, there is a contrast here that's going on. When you were walking in darkness, the things of God didn't make any sense to you. But now that you've made that turn, you say, this actually is saving my life. Salvation through Christ, or my sins are forgiven, but also my life takes on a value and a meaning in God. He says, you know, when, when, you, when you study the, the term salvation, there are passages in the New Testament that talk about we have been saved, we are being saved, we shall be saved when we stand before the Father. So it's, it covers everything. It's not just a past experience. It's not just a thing to put your plaque on the wall and say, well, I got saved on this date, and, you know, good to go. Talk to you again, God, when I get to heaven. Uh, no, it, you, you are being saved. There is, there is an ongoing process included right now and then you have the future of standing before him and knowing that you shall be saved as well. Going on. For it is written that I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will thwart the cleverness of the intelligent. That's a quote out of Isaiah. And, it, and the, the idea is that God, God says, the, some of the paths that you chase when you're doing this on your own, they all end in circles and death. You don't have the, the privilege of just figuring it out because you don't know enough, quite honestly. But he says God does, and he has a way of making those things happen anyway. 
I want to jump just a little bit further in that same area. It says in the 24th verse, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So his, his orchestrating history and working through the prophets and then sending Christ to earth and having him die for our salvation, he says, that's, that's incredible how that all took place. But he says that, that was, that's the essence of what our God does and the capability that he has. It's an expression of his wisdom. It says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Think about it. When you were called, it says, brothers and sisters, not many were wise by human standards, not many were powerful, not were many were born to a privileged position. Now, truthfully, that last one we probably need to X out in regard to our lives. We can all say, well, I don't have as much as others. But when you realize that the household income on a worldwide scale is less than $10,000, then you'd say, well, yes, I am one of the privileged living in this world now. That has its own challenges, right? That's kind of what we were looking at earlier, that we have so many things that our lives are cluttered and we're not sure what's even of value anymore. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, the weak to shame the strong, and the low and despised in the world, regarded as nothing, to set aside what is regarded as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. He says, Jesus Christ became for us the wisdom of God. Okay, I want to back, jump back to Proverbs for just a bit. 11 and 12. Discretion will protect you. Understanding will guard you to deliver you from speaking the way of the wicked from those speaking perversity. He's saying, if you embrace the wisdom of God, you will be able to discern when you're hearing things that are false. You'll be able to step aside from paths that most other walking down. You know, you'll be able to consider your culture and say, this doesn't work in the eyes of God. That's a powerful thing. He says, you know, for the morally crooked and those that delight in doing evil, he says, you don't have to be caught up in that. And then he goes on and he gives a picture of adultery and saying, and essentially he's saying, you don't have to get trapped into sexual immorality either, which is common, right? But he's saying there's another way if you'll embrace it. And finally, in that passage, he says, So you will walk in the way of good people and will keep on the paths of the righteous. For the upright will reside in the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be removed from the land, and the treacherous will be torn away from it. Back to Ben Sass for just a bit, the, the writer of The Vanishing American Adult. He said, the only way that a people retain their wealth is if they learn how to invest. It's like that thing of sowing and reaping. He said, otherwise they become consumers and it comes apart. That's one of the challenges that we're wrestling through in our day, right? When, uh, when you consider that 
and, and his point in that particular book was, we need to learn how to develop a work ethic in our children, even though they don't necessarily have to work to survive. He's saying, you know, even though there's enough, that their work isn't going to sustain the family, whereas you can go to some countries and it's absolutely essential that the, child, the children work. You know, you go some countries and you'll see a three and four-year-old carrying an infant on their back all day long because their responsibility is watching after the youngest so the parents can work as needed to survive. In our culture, that's not necessary. But we still have to come to terms with how do you teach an appropriate work ethic and sowing and reaping so that health can continue from one generation to the next? That's the challenges of our day. One of the challenges of our culture in our day. And what I'm declaring to you is that the scripture has answers. And the Lord is willing to speak to you through his Holy Spirit in that scripture if you're willing to listen. And that's why I present to you that Proverbs truly is an important book. And I encourage you to invest your time in it as such. Lord, our desire is to be wise. And we do desire answers for our day. We recognize that the questions that are here are still answerable in you. So then, Lord, we ask that you will help us cultivate the earnestness to seek for you like treasure. Let our hearts be tuned to your word. Amen. There are things to settle in the Lord. This is the time to do that. May a blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to walk in your wisdom. I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you.